you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Good Morning Football is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Good Morning Football Program. I'm Kyle Brandt, Jamie Erdahl in Parts Unknown. That's Jason McCourty, 13 years in the league. Peter Schrager never played the game. What's up, guys? Never played the game, yet love it. Yep. You know the game, though. Yeah, I do. Hey, as the season draws closer, we're going to take a closer look at some back of our favorite moments on this very show. Yeah, and it's a great mix. We do talk football, but we do it in a way where we have a ton of fun while we're doing it. Nobody has more fun than us. Mm -hmm. And guys, without further ado, enjoy the very best of Good Morning Football. I'm Jamie Erdahl, Kyle Brad, Jason McCourty. We are so lucky to be joined today by Logan Ryan, the senior yeah. NFL vet, two-time Super Bowl champion. Logan, your first endeavor, really, into live television. Uh, do you watch a lot of sports programming? Like, what are some of your favorite shows to watch in terms of who, sports? I mean, I watch you guys all the time. Talk yeah. about it. I tune into you guys. Uh, support my man Jay, especially since he's been on here. So mm-hmm. I've been checking you guys out. Um, Rich Eisen, yeah. love what he does. So a lot of the shows, I mean, I'm a football junkie. I love football. So yeah. we've always had it on in the facilities. I mean, mm-hmm. guys are seeing what you're saying. Oh, mm-hmm. Like it's in there. Like we're, yeah. we're lifting and we're seeing what you guys are talking about during the workouts and stuff. So people are tuned in. There's some nonsense out there too, isn't there, right? Some other, some other shows? Oh, yeah. yeah some, right, right. Right. Some, yeah. some junk out there. One time we were on the show and we actually asked the Ravens practice facility to turn the volume up because we were about to talk about yeah, this. Right, exactly. It was great. It was like a call to action. Yeah. We need to watch and we're like, you guys listening? Let's yeah. go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what should we talk about here for the lead block? Is it a make it or break it season for the Buffalo Bills? Logan, what do you think? I can agree with him. I don't think it is, mm. but I think we know the time is ticking there. I mean, in the NFL, you can only have a roster so good, so talented. Your star player is getting a little bit older every year for so long. I mean, I was a part of it. I've seen it in Tennessee where they can only keep those star players together for so long. And, and I think, um, you know, the, the, the Bills have had a competitive roster for the last three, four years. Not a competitive, a great roster for the last yeah. three, four years. You got Von Miller. You got Josh Allen. You got Diggs. You got... Uh, you, you name it, the Hyde employer at safety, right? Trey White's been been doing it for quite some time now, and all those guys got to get paid. Milano got paid. It's only it's so hard to keep it all together. So I think time is ticking there, but I think he is right. They are trying not to go all in on one year, but they only got a few left, so they better get it done quickly. Mm. I, I've learned that no GM ever wants to say it's a make or break year. Yeah. Mm. No head coach ever wants to hear this is a must-win game. Like <laughs> They always are a way off out on that mm-hmm. because that puts a lot of onus on them to, them to win. Um, I think last year, you understand this, you just mentioned it, the Micah Hyde injury was massive. It didn't get talked about that, but it was massive. And then yeah. the Von Miller injury at the end of the season was just the backbreaker. And then as we've talked about a ton, it was maybe the most unusual, most yeah. distracting off-the-field season of all time, which is fine. That's not going to be the case this year. You're not going to go through that. This, it feels like a no-excuses year. Right. They brought Poyer and Hyde back. Von is back. They're not going to go through the off-the-field stuff. Von's, or Josh is a year older. They spent a first-round pick to bring sand to the beach and put a tight end on the field with him so he can throw to more guys 
it's like I don't think it's a massive disappointment this year if they don't win the Super Bowl, but it's to borrow from Josh's weekend activities, like you only get so many swings at the bat in this AFC. Like how many times are you gonna start a season and be like, we got a healthy star quarterback who's never had a major injury, we got our superstar receiver, we got our pass for safety. It's, it feels turnkey. So it's still gonna be brutal because you have the Chiefs and your division's better, but make or break, of course, two years from now, if Josh Allen's on the team, they'll have a shot. But it's not going to get much cleaner than this. I don't think you're going to get much of a better pitch to hit than the one 2023 is going to give you Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of guys there, a lot of dogs, a lot of healthy bodies, and some of them will not be there the year after that. It's not make or break, but hit this pitch. This is a really, really big pitch, and they need to smack it. Yeah, I'm with you. When you make or break, it's just like Josh Allen's still going to be there. But I just heard Logan say you only have but so many years to keep a really good roster together. I just heard you say it's maybe not make or break, but it's maybe a no excuses type of season. I mean, when you put all of these things together, that very much feels like a make or break season for the Buffalo Bills. I think you went into last season and everybody, they were not everybody's, but a lot of people, they were Super Bowl favorites on this show. I picked the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl. Kyle, you picked them to yep. win the Super Bowl. There were a lot of others doing so. So when I look at them as a team and everything they have going on, to your point, they went through a ton last year. Everything going on off the field, weather stuff, obviously DeMar Hamlin and his injury. The emotions were a roller coaster for them uh, in that season. So going into this season, I think the same expectation is going to be had, but the team's a little bit different. Leslie Frazier is not going to be there. We mm. saw Tremaine Edmonds leave in free agency going to the Bears. I think those are the kind of trickle-down effects. The faucet's starting to drip a little bit. You'll see year after year there's going to be more changes. We saw Poyer come back. Him and Micah Hyde will be back for another season. Is that going to continue to go forward next year? You're going to start to see some guys have to leave in free agency because you have to go chase the money, and there's going to be opportunities that are a little bit different. They've fallen short the last few years. Think about in 2019, they make it to the conference championship, and they fall short in a tremendous game. And the Two years after that, it's losses in a divisional round. I think it gets to a point where in Buffalo right now, it's just like we know we have the team to do it, but for whatever reason, we haven't been able to get over the hump. Mm -hmm. When that continues to happen, you have to change something. It's insanity to continue to do the same thing year after year if you're not getting the result you ultimately want. So I think going into this 2023 season for Buffalo, you're expecting them to be in the Super Bowl, let alone win it. If that doesn't happen, you got to look in the mirror and say, all right, what can we change about our franchise and shake things up to be able to get over that hump and get Mm -hmm, to the big game? mm -hmm. There are certain players or teams in their tenure that they almost get like a you can have this one kind of year. Like we gave Trevor Lawrence his first season. Like you just we won't count that. Uh, I feel like Justin Fields, you kind of had that for him last season. Like that was an odd thing for you. Um, I almost want to give the Bills 2023 just in case it doesn't happen for them. I almost want to say like, sure, that made sense. But 20, they have one year that you kind of have an excuse because Aaron Rodgers just got to the division. Mm. Logan, you were talking about the Dolphins have loaded Mm -hmm. up. Like if they don't make it this season, I'm still okay because you have Josh Allen through his the age of 32, the 2028 season. Uh, he will always get guys to come throw to. I think they're made there defensively because you don't have Leslie Frazier for a year. He's going to come back apparently for the 2024 season. Here's what we're looking at. Uh, this is the last five seasons when Josh Allen has been there. So great offense. This is what we're looking at defensively. They have to shore things up a, a little bit uh, in the run defense. If you can fix things after this year and and retain Leslie Frazier and just keep building that defense, 
you are going to be fine within this division. 2023 doesn't bother me. The only number that's not even on there that does concern me was the red zone efficiency for the for the Bills defense. They let guys score half the time when they're in the red zone, 58%. It's not yeah. great. So if Frazier can come back for 2024, I almost give them this year because of everything else that's happening in See, their division. That's a tough thing for me. Like when you put that full screen up for the Bills defensively, third in points per game. Yeah, okay. Their offense is prolific. Mm-hmm. They're at the top in points per game offensively and defensively. Yeah. So when it's not happening, it's so tough to say, all right, like, they're going to get going. Yeah, they can make some improvements on defense, but that's one hell of a defense right there. Mm -hmm. Points per game, less than 20. You're doing your job week in and week out, and so is Josh Allen, the offense on the other side of the ball. But for whatever reasons in the playoff, and I won't say for whatever reasons, they've gone against Joe Burrow, they've gone against Patrick Mahomes. It's not getting any easier. Mm -hmm. And the Buffalo Bills, like, don't give it, they're a really good football team. Josh Allen, I said it last year, if I'm starting a football team, he is the quarterback I Mm -hmm. want. They're a really good team. But how do you figure out a way to get past the Mahomes and the mm-hmm. Burles to be able to hoist your own Lombardi trophy? Look, what do you think? Let's talk about Josh for a sec, because we do this all the time. We live in this world of ranking people and putting mm-hmm. them in tiers, and you're Burrow and Mahomes and all these great quarterbacks. What, what do you think his rep is around the league amongst defenses? We know he's good and he's talented. Like, is he the guy the guy, or is he still, like, you know, maybe, like, this guy who's got to take another step? What do you think? I think he's one of the guys. Mm-hmm. I definitely think he's one of those guys. I think he's made the greatest improvement I've seen for what he looked like early in his career, year one and year two, to the last couple of years. Mm. Like that, that was truly playing him early in his career. I didn't think he would be where he is now. Sure. And I think that's credit to the hard work. I think that's credit, I mean, the accuracy, every every passing statistic going up. Yeah. And I think he's got a lot of mouths to feed on that offense. He does a good job. And I think he has a lot of fun when he plays, too. You see that he brings a lot of energy with his runs. You see uh, his receivers love playing with him. His O-linemen love uh, blocking for him. I think he's really embraced that Bills area, that Bills culture, that Bills mafia fan base. Well, he's the quarterback for them. He's the franchise guy. And not every franchise can say they have a guy. The Bills have a guy. And if you have a guy, you're in good position. But we know that AFC is getting better, man. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, it's not slowing down. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I go back to that playoff game last year. It was a tight game with Miami. Mm-hmm. Who was Miami's mm-hmm. quarterback last mm-hmm. year? Skyler Thompson. Thompson. Right. That was a tight game. You bring Tua back. Miami just got better on defense with Jalen Ramsey. Mm-hmm. The Jets, that's not – you're not coming in getting two easy wins on the Jets anymore. Mm-hmm. So your division got the better. The Jets beat them last year. Right. Mm-hmm. The division got better. And that's going to make your whole season. When your division is tough, that changes your whole season. Because mm-hmm. you know you're in for six tough games a year. Do you have to play against Aaron Rodgers in your career? Did I play against Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. 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 Handful of times? A couple of times, yeah. Did he flat out get you, or did you like? <laughs> did you compete? Like, did you battle? You know, what's going to make it hard for this division? Like you mentioned, he's going to be in their division now two times. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers uh, just command of the game. Yeah. He's he's calling his plays at the line of scrimmage. He's getting them into efficient plays. The turnovers are are tough against him. I had a pick against him last year. There you go. But uh, the turnovers are tough <laughs> against him because he's really he protects the ball pretty well, mm-hmm. and he puts them in safe plays. Sometimes a checkdown's a good play. Sometimes checking to a run's a good play. And Aaron Rodgers has good command, so you're not going to see um, the Jets not having a first down yeah. in the second half anymore. Uh, you know, they're going to have – it's going to be a different team because yeah. their offense is going to be a lot Great more – You've intercepted Brady. You've intercepted Rodgers. Is there anybody you haven't gotten? You're like, I, I want to get one from him. Like, uh, great. I, look, I, I, I think I got three on the round, Mount Rushmore. I don't know how many people on this Peyton? planet got Peyton, Brady, oh, and Rodgers. That's great. So, can we research that? Yeah, we can check that stat. There you go. Peyton, Brady, uh, and Peyton was my question. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah go. I got Peyton. Mm. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers was good because he throws the ball so dang hard, so it's hard to catch it. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. And, and he doesn't throw a lot of picks. Last year he threw some more, but he don't get that opportunity. Yeah. Brady's obviously tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, obviously, Peyton is just so efficient as well. So, so. 
But I didn't get Mahomes. Mahomes would be the one because I think mm. he's going to end up on that. Okay. Yeah. That's mm. awesome. That's a great question. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. for thought. We were talking this week about the 49ers and the Eagles and how we think it's turned into a rivalry. A rivalry. I was in the makeup room earlier this week before preparing for that segment on Monday and our beautiful makeup artist Bradford Knight said, is it a feud or a rivalry? And I looked at him and said, I don't understand the difference. He said, I think a feud turns into a rivalry. It just starts as a little flame. So I said, you know what? It's May. That turns into a segment on Good Morning Football. Here we go. Feud for thought. I have some feuds that I want to run by you guys. And if you want to buy into them, then you are here at the beginning. All right. And then it, when it becomes a thing, you're like, I was there from Ground day level. one. Feud for thought. Ground level. Yes. We're going to start with Josh Allen and Jalen Ramsey. Sure. I will take you back to 2018. The publication, GQ. The quote from Jalen Ramsey. I think Josh Allen is trash. I don't care what nobody say. He's trash, and it's going to show, too. That's a stupid draft pick to me. We played them this year. He was with the Jaguars at the time. I'm excited as hell. I hope he's their starting quarterback. He played at Wyoming. Just that as a sentence feels like an insult. (laughs) Josh Allen won. Week 12, 2018. He beat the Jaguars. Ramsey didn't pick him off. Uh, then Ramsey goes to the Rams. Okay. Plays uh, Rams play the Bills week three, 2020. Ramsey changes to a little bit, little bit. Says Josh Allen, he has some weapons around him. He can make plays, running the ball, extending plays. Kind of the things everyone knows about that, that him. Was insane There's that, some really. subtlety to the insults here on these quotes that are building from Jalen Ramsey. Now Allen tries to downplay the beef moving forward because that's the kind of thing Josh Allen does. Always. That was so long ago, in my opinion. The fact that he called me trash, okay, that would ring for true for me for a long time, but that's Josh Allen for you. It's really a non-factor. Okay, so now the Bills go to L.A. where Jalen is playing. Bills beat him 35-32 the first time, but now it's a week one season opener. This is the game I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Josh Allen torches Jalen Ramsey. He says eight times, seven times, I am going to target you, Jalen Ramsey, and six times, I'm, those are going to go for completions. Josh Allen throws 124 yards and two touchdowns against Jalen Ramsey in this game. If that's a statement, I don't know what else is. That was uh, the talk back that Josh Allen had instead of just having quotes himself. Ramsey now continues to change his tune. Allen has all the intangibles. He's got the size, got the big arm. Then he just says, I don't know who the Bills coaches are, but I think Jaylen, I think Josh Allen's going to be okay. Now he can't even insult Josh Allen anymore. He's going to the Bills. A lot. Now these two get to play each other twice a year. Right. Jalen Ramsey's like in this. the division with Miami Dolphins. This is just the beginning. This was with the Jaguars and the Rams. Twice a year, baby. Here we go. This is a feud, and I like where it's going. Two big stars. I like it. Two big stars. Dolphins and Bills already have beef. Yes. Yes. Christian Wilkins. Wilkins. The Christian Wilkins rivalry exists, but you got to be aware of this feud that's beginning. Moving on to the NFC North. Justin Jefferson and Jair Alexander. I was nervous about being in a division here, but I'm going to stay here with the wide receiver and the DB. Week 1, 2022, Justin Jefferson goes off. 
nine catches, 184 yards, and two touchdowns. Jair, Jair Alexander calls that a fluke. Mm -hmm. Calls that stat line from Justin Jefferson a fluke. Okay. Uh, ahead of the Week 17 matchup then, Jair Alexander says, you don't want to put too much focus on that one person in that first game. It was a fluke. All right, so then what happens in Week 17 when we spin it forward? Justin Jefferson goes for one catch, 15 yards, and on a pass deflected, this is what this man does. Yeah. He gritties right in his face, right over top of him. Too. Justin Jefferson, he thought it was taunting. That's what he said. He does stuff like that, Jair, to try to get in my head, but I thought it was taunting. Whatever it was, that was a statement for him to go off in week one, shut him down in week 17. I like it. It's only the beginning for these two. So hey, listen, he does it in every game. He goes into the end zone. Is that taunting? No. Jair can do whatever the hell exactly. he wants after the play. All right, that's away fine. That's like, wait from him. You walk that's away. That's not taunting. This one, uh, I'm going to run this one by you guys. All right. I don't know if you're going to have buy-in here. This is the muscle tee versus the open collar. I'm talking Dan Campbell and Pete Carroll. Okay. I'm thinking Lions and Seahawks could be an NFC playoff game, and I'm here for it. Sure. Here's why. I only take you back to last season. Dan Campbell's Lions are 0-2 against the Seahawks. And he hasn't been head coach a long time, but he hasn't beaten them yet. Week 17 of 2021, this is kind of where the kindling began. The Seahawks are up 51-29. It is a blowout. The game is done. Fox has already gone on to a different 51. game. <laughs> The, the Seahawks marched the ball down 43 <laughs> yards, with this being the score down to the one-yard line before they took a knee. Travis Homer. Seriously? Yeah, sure. It's subtle, but it's insulting. Yeah. Okay? There was no need. Just knee, knee, knee. Just let the clock run. No, no. They went all the way down. Reverse. There. Reverse. Right? Oh. Dre They're still playing. What, is what they are you doing? doing? Okay, Seahawks. I don't know how. I mean, we think we know what Dan Campbell would say about that, but it was not, it was not yeah. pretty. Now, last season, the Seahawks need the Lions to beat the Packers in Week 18 in order for the Seahawks to go to the playoffs. That's exactly what happened. It was a beautiful sight. The Lions fans are thrilled because they go to Lambeau and they beat the Packers. Seahawks are appreciative. They tweet out a message. Now, these social media departments, they are geniuses. They tweet out a message that says, thank you. Guys, that's Chicago. This all feels good. That's Chicago. I oh, appreciate y'all so much. That oh. is Chicago. It's not Detroit. What, what are we doing? What do you mean? You that can't. picture in Chicago? I don't understand. It's the Chicago skyline? The Seattle Seahawks say, thanks so much for getting us into the playoffs, Detroit. It's not Detroit. It's Chicago. <laughs> we know that. The city is Chicago. The city behind Oh, my Chicago. God. That's Chicago? Chicago. I wouldn't know that. That's unbelievable. That's we, we know what they're doing. We know what they're doing. They're giving us what we need. That's yeah, that's the, the, that's the Wrigley building, like right next to the Chicago River. That, right. that, that appears to be that. Those are my three feuds. Wow. Those are my three beginning of the feuds. What do you guys think? What do you I wanna, didn't even know about that into? one. That was really good. Thank the, you. Uh, the Jefferson Jair one is the best. If, if you're a corner in the NFC North, you can't have this guy dancing every five seconds. You got to do something about it. I like that one. Yeah, and Jair does that week in and week out anyway. But to Jalen Ramsey and Josh Allen, I mean, those Jalen Ramsey's a talker. So I want to see the sound bites leading up to that game mm -hmm. and how both teams rally around their guys. You already know Christian Wilkins is going to be in the middle. Uh -huh. The social media person who put that together, the wrong Google search, like, it's not an easy thing or to make. Or intentional. Or intentional. Mm-hmm. Not easy to make that mistake. Nah, that is really, really good. It's that time of the week. Time now to welcome back our NFL Network front office analyst. He has won three Super Bowls as the VP of Player Personnel for the New England Patriots. It is one Scott Peel. What up, Scott? Oh, Scott. Uh, How do you do? Good morning. Good morning. 
Scott, lots to get to with you. We're going to start with the fact that you were on hand at the Black College Football Hall of Fame induction ceremony at the College Football Hall of Fame mm. this past weekend in Atlanta. You, along with our own Steve Weiss and Charles Davis, you're all on the board of advisors and you're on the selection committee for that group. Uh, tell us about the process and how the rest of the panel went as you begin to narrow down uh, your search for the inductees. Jamie, the whole process is really a lot of fun and 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 competitive at times. There's 11 of us that are on the selection committee, and every one of us has to make nominations. We make it based on people that we know, and all of us have very deep ties into the HBC community, not, not just currently, but historically. So we bring the players and or coaches or the candidates to to the meetings and then we whittle it down to about 20 people for final discussions when we get to our finalists and then what we do out of the group of 20 finalists is we bring it to five players and one coach or contributor and I tell you if you're a football history nerd like me these meetings are absolutely awesome because you get to hear stories and learn about people and players and learn more in depth about some of the players and the people that you thought you knew I mean you look back at some of the history of the HBCUs the the fact that the 1974 Jackson State football team has three gold jackets in Walter Payton, Robert Brazil, and then also Jackie Slater. The history of the HBCUs is so much fun and there's so much to learn as we go through these meetings. Scott, who stands out to you the most on this list of inductees? Shaq, I'm going to tell you, the, the whole list was really a great group, but there was one guy I was truly obsessed about, and that was Elijah Pitts. I mean, I thought I was a good football nerd and knew a lot, and I did know a lot about his career, but some of the things I learned about Elijah Pitts during this process, he's a guy who went to tiny little Philander Smith College in Little Rock. He was a 13th round pick in 1961. He's one of the only players who was on Vince Lombardi's five championship teams. Again, he played 13 years, uh, 11 years, But then he went on to coach in the NFL for another 24 years. He was also on the Buffalo Bills four teams that went to the Super Bowl. And an incredible player. He scored two rushing touchdowns in Super Bowl one. And again, he was a special teams captain for Vince Lombardi. Think about how tough that's got to be. But you know what, Shaq? I was listening to you earlier. Here's the part that you're really going to love. When he played in high school, he would go in at halftime Put on a dry shirt, go out, play in the halftime band, play tuba, not baritone, and would go back and play the second half of the game. That was a real thing. He really did it. So Elijah Pitts was an incredible contributor to the NFL, and he's actually a guy that I believe should be considered for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I love that, Scott. Versatility, a guy that can do it all. Go out there in the first half and get you as much as you need and then go in and support the band and do his thing there. Uh, Versatility, Kirk Cousins can wear the chains on the plane but also go out on the football field and win you games. And right now, earlier in the show, we talked about what's on his shoulders for this season. And obviously, as a quarterback that's getting older on a Vikings team that really want to win now, Scott, from your perspective, being in that front office, what kind of conversations are going on behind the scenes about Kirk Cousins? Jason, you're right. Every team wants to win right now. That's the truth. 
But we don't know the exact conversations, but based on some of the moves, I think the conversations that have gone on this year with the Minnesota Vikings front office and head coach was, listen, we had a good record last year, but we may not have been a very good team. They have gotten rid of a lot of players that are a little bit older and have big contracts. I'm not saying that they're bailing in these players, but they know that this team that they had that won all these games has limitations. So what they needed to do is start planning for the future to make sure that they had some salary flexibility. And that's why you see players like Dalvin Cook disappearing. And to me, what they're doing is they're going to have to do something similar to what we did in New England when we got there. We got rid of a lot of high-priced players that were a little long in the tooth and had to make sure that we infused the roster with good players through the draft, but also went out and got select free agents that maybe weren't marquee price free agents, that they need to be very good players at the right price. That's how they need to rebuild this team on the fly. But again, to me, it looks like they realized they knew exactly who they were and what they were, and they need to get better right now. All right, well, Scott, you mentioned Marquis. You mentioned the right price. Let's take that to DeAndre Hopkins' conversation. He's making the rounds right now. He's Mm. visiting teams for his next landing spot. We hear he's going to be in New England. If you're in the front office and you're bringing in a very famous wide receiver who everyone knows and everyone's talking about, how do you prepare for that visit? And what do you want to ask him? What do you want to hear from him? How does that go? Kyle, the easy part's the evaluation, right? Everyone knows what a talent he is and how good he is. But when you prepare to bring in a player like that, again, I go back to some of the things that we did in New England. We brought in guys like Randy Moss and Corey Dillon. They were trades, but really that was treated somewhat like free agency. The most important thing that you can do with a marquee player and an experienced player who's one of the top players in the league is make sure that you let them know exactly who you are and what you are and what their role is going to be and what your expectations are. Because when you come across a veteran player, again, who has pelt, who has played and produced in this league, the worst thing that you can do is misrepresent what they're going to do and what you're going to expect from them. And it's really important, again, depending on your culture, that you let that player know exactly what the day-to-day life is going to be. Again, in New England, the way we were set up and the way that we did things, it wasn't for everybody. So if you're an organization like that, you need to let the player know what it's going to be like. If you're going to be about the sizzle, you let them know that too. But the most important part is the player knows the truth of what the circumstance he's getting into, again, not only as a player, but culturally as well. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome back to Good Morning Football as we continue having a really fun show here. Talking quarterbacks all morning. What you're looking at now is a list of quarterbacks who are the last to throw 4,000 or more yards for their respective franchises. The last quarterback to do it for your team. Okay, so Burrow makes sense. This is 2022. Golf, 2022. But you start going down the list 
as you go team by team by team. And you start seeing the years yep. start trickling away a little bit. The last Falcon to do it was Matt Ryan in 2020. The last Colt was, was Philip Rivers. Keep it going now. Let's keep going as we get further, the further drop-off is back. <laughs> Patriots, Mac Jones hasn't done it yet, so it's Brady. Now you're looking at Joe Flacco as the last <laughs> Ravens passer. But wait, some franchises have even longer than that wait? Yes. Mm. Tannehill, the last Dolphin. Come on, Tua. Peyton Manning, the last Bronco to do it. Oh, man. And then we get down to the sweet spot here. The Niners one as well. Jeff Garcia as the last <laughs> the Niners one to do it. Warren Moon, the last Oiler slash, I guess, whatever you want to call that now, right? Oiler, Texan. Yeah, Titan, Texan. Titan. They all run together. Titan. Titan. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Jason. Yeah. Um, I got you. That was from the 33rd team. We kind of redid it and made it into full screens. I'm looking at that list. There are some shocking names and droughts. Yeah. Which one stands out the most to you? I'll stick right with, you said, the franchise, Oilers, Titans. And Couldn't figure it out. Yeah, it gets a little confusing, but it's definitely the Titans, Oilers. Yeah. Uh, Warren Moon, back to 91, kind of that whole right last column where you haven't seen anybody in the 2000s. And the impressive thing is Warren Moon did this at 35 years old. Then at 39 for Minnesota, went for over 4,000 yards again. But as I look at those teams in that mm. far right column, it's just like, which of these teams is the next one to have 4,000 yards. You saw the Bears had none, but these other ones going way back out of the 2000s, it's insane to think it's been that long in a straight passing league This now that is being played. But Warren Moon, so fun so fun to watch. That number one jersey, that Oiler blew uh, a ton. Of, it's just so cool to see awesome. those highlights. Uh, the, 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 the date that comes to mind when I see it is um, September 17th, 1920. Mm. That was when the Chicago Bears were established as an organization, mm. and they have zero Zero. I have a little. It's an amazing thing. You start saying, "Hold on, Cutler must have done it." Well, no, yeah. no, Cutler never Grossman. did it. Grossman, no, no, Trubisky, City no, Luckman. no, no, nobody, <laughs> nobody. Uh, there's been 217 times a player has thrown for 4,000 yards since the modern era, 1960. Uh, zero Bears. You know what's crazy? There's a second list that the 33rd team could put out about the times that a player has thrown for 30 touchdown passes. It's 148 times. There's zero. Also zero on that list. And I think at one point there was probably a pride in this, that this is, you know, bear football and we run the ball, blah, 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 and play defense. I don't know if that era is still there. And yet I look at Fields. I don't think Fields is throwing for 4,000 yards anytime soon. I don't even know if they want him to throw for 4,000 yards. Uh, I think it's the Bears. Only one out of 32 is zero, including some wild ones. It's an incredible list. I, I think of the last few years in Cleveland where there's been some optimism at the quarterback yeah. position. Baker Mayfield had that run. They went to the playoffs. Deshaun Watson. We're expecting this year to take a leap and to have that team in a better place than they were last year. But I also think of that famous jersey in the storefront yeah. with 23 different quarterback names, everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to go through Brandon Whedon to Brian <laughs> Hoyer to whoever else. Jake DeLong, Colt Jake McCoy. DeLong, I mean, you can Colt McCoy, yeah. Jason Campbell. Brand, yeah. The list was long. Derek Anderson. We they had so many quarterbacks, and yet Spurgeon the last Lee. one to throw <laughs> for 4,000 yards was Brian Seip in 1980. Brian Seip Tell us about Brian awesome Seip. story. Brian Seip was the MVP of the league in 1980. Team, the really? Cardiac Kids. They came back late in 79 and finished the season strong. And then in 1980, they go on and they become a playoff team and have one of the great, you know, miracle run teams. He threw for 4,132 yards and 30 awesome. touchdowns. It was their first playoff berth since 1972. Of course, the Brown season ended on a disastrous loss to the Raiders with the famous play Red Right 88. 
where Brian Seip, unfortunately, throws a pass that's intercepted that was intended for Ozzie Newsom in the playoffs. Uh, Browns fans still moan about that one. But Seip, 1980, we see you, Brian Seip, proud of San Diego State, former Aztec. Mm, that's very cool. That is cool. That's really 4, cool. 4,100 yards in I found Whoa. seeing the names that repeated are cool for the guy. I feel like kind of bad for the uh, franchise where mm-hmm. it happened to. Like, there's been so many. So I saw Kirk Cousins' face twice. Mm-hmm. He's done, done it with the Vikings. But then also with Washington. And it made me think, it, that only happened back in t- 2017 and 18. How many guys have started for quarterback for Washington since then? It's 12 guys. Mm-hmm. It's 12 guys. Anyone from Taylor Heineke started 24 all the way down to Sam Howell still has just that lone start. He may be the guy moving forward. But the fact that you have that many guys trying their damnedest to get 4,000 yards since Kirk Cousins did it after the 2017 season is uh, pretty remarkable, but also Washington. Where are we going here? What direction is your car going? Damn, Carson Wentz. <laughs> I should have worked out differently. Eric I, I, I hate seeing that up there. Yeah, I do. I um, it, it is an incredible list. I, listen, Cousins may have three by the time we're all done with this. He may, you yeah. know what I'm saying? We don't know where yeah. he's going. Wherever he's going, he's throwing for 4,000. Yeah, I just though. got an alert, by the way. Uh, what kind of alert? On my phone. What? Um, just as some other quarterbacks, like Eli Manning, didn't want to go to say. Word is Mahomes isn't looking to go to the Kyle Brands. Just right? so you know. Just so you know. Mahomes is out there. Out. He does not want to be drafted by the Kyle Brands. Who knows if the Kyle Brands want to draft him? There we yeah. go. Okay. Oh, you put the that Kyle public are really Best to footballs mess behind him. We know here. that. <laughs> and if you think that was good, oh, there's still so much more to come. Finish it, Jason. You're watching the best of good morning football. Yeah. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 